Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet, and thank you so much for joining us again this week. It is Paralympics time in Tokyo right now, and we are going to talk about uh, BC blind sports and just blind sports in general, and we have a special guest. But before we get to that, I want to introduce my co-host, Ginny. Welcome back to the podcast, Ginny. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Do you want to maybe remind our listeners a little bit about your vision and who you are? Um, I'm Ginny. I am 21 years old. I am completely blind and have been since birth, and I am a Blind Beginnings youth mentor and youth volunteer. Awesome. And Jenny, before we introduce our guest, just curious, your sport history. Are you an athlete? Yeah, no, definitely not an athlete. Um, but this is a topic I was interested about because uh, when I was younger and growing up, I was very limited in physical activity and sports um, just uh, because of the societal beliefs um, and expectations. Um, but as I got older, it's um, begun to become a little bit of an interest. Um, and recently, I've started looking to um, join track and field uh, because I want to do accessible track and field. So I'm just at the very beginning stages of that. And I actually want to learn more myself about BC Blind Sports to see what they can do to help me um, figure that out so I can definitely become more involved. Okay, so we have with us today a very, very special person, the president of BC Blind Sports and Recreation Association, but also one of my teammates from when I was on the national cycling team. Welcome, Brian Cowie. Hi, Sean. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your sport background and history? Wow, it's, it goes a long way back. I'll give you the coast notes. Uh, I'm partially sighted, so uh, when, when I was um, in, uh, in high school and in my teenage years, um, I could see well enough to play sports. So I played uh, football, baseball, rugby. Um, and then uh, after a school, after I got out of school, I kind of, I played rugby a little bit on, um, on some local teams. Um, but then I kind of backed off on my sporting career for a while. Um, but I always watched it. I always kind of was, I've always been interested in sports and I've always kind of wanted to get my toe back in it. So um, I guess when I was about 35-ish, um, a cousin of mine came to town to do the Vancouver Triathlon. And I had watched triathlons, never thought I'd ever want to do one because I wasn't much of a 
runner. I didn't really want to run. Um, so, but I went to the race and I watched and I got so wrapped up and excited and the crowd and the music. And I thought, I want to try one of these. So I, I tried a little one, um, a really short one. And uh, that only took like about 45 minutes and it nearly killed me. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 was, I was happy that I finished it. And then, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, what's next type person. Like, um, you know, if I did this, then what, how about this one? And then I kind of just started working my way up. And then my same cousin, he was doing the um, Ironman Canada triathlon. I don't know if you know what that one is. That's a big four big kilometer one. swim, mm-hmm. a 180 <laughs> kilometer bike followed by a full marathon. And I went and watched that. And I thought, I think I could do this. <laughs> I'm not very smart. <laughs> so I, I, um, I did it. And I, and I had told my wife at the time that I told her, I said, this is going to take a lot of training. Um, I'm going to be like out of the house a lot. I just want to do this. So I just wanted to do one. So I did the one. And as soon as I finished, (laughs) it was like, uh, well, I think I could go a little faster. And if I want to go faster, I could qualify for the world championships in Hawaii. So that started the ball rolling. That was it, it was ten Ironman in a row. Did make it to Hawaii two or three times. I qualified for Hawaii, and this was all able-bodied. I was not doing it visually impaired, mm-hmm. although I was visually impaired, but I wasn't doing it visually <laughs> impaired. Okay, so no guide at all. No guide, just on a bike by myself. No, just doing it all by myself. Which I guess, if you were to look from up above, my swim was definitely not straight. I was all over the place. Um, I would go down the hills on the bike way slower than everybody else. Cause I didn't want to mm. go too fast and the run was fine. I could, you know, I wasn't going that fast that I had to worry about anything. I was wow. okay there. So maybe you would have so been I, like meddling all the time if you could go straight and speed down those hills. And if you actually had a guide, I could have gone faster. Yeah. 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 yeah I could have yeah. a coach cause I didn't know what I was doing. I was just floundering around. I think I would train all year. And I would do the race and I would think, oh, well, the run wasn't so good. So maybe if I do more work on my run next year or for next year, it'll be better. So I had like, took me a whole year to find out if what I was doing was making a difference. But, um, and then I, uh, in the mid nineties, I, I happened to be watching TV and I saw one of our BC blind sports alumni Jason Delisle was at a a uh, track and field event, and um, I noticed that he was not totally blind. I kind of knew about the Paralympic a little bit, but I thought you had to be totally blind to be um, not partially blind. Right. So I watched. I thought, well, he can sort of see what he's doing. So then I made a few phone calls, got a hold of BC Blind Sports. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about the different sports and the one that appealed to me most was the tandem cycling. Uh, so uh, I got into that, found a couple of pilots, worked my way for a while, and then finally went to uh, the Games in Sydney. The Paralympic Games in Sydney was my first one. So I was 
on the national team from 98 until 2012. Um, went to the games in Sydney. I went to the games in Athens and then with Sean and then went to the games in Beijing. And that was my last games, although I'm still active. Yeah, you're still active. How many days in a row have you trained? Well, <laughs> I, I did a couple of Ironman since I stopped competitive cycling. So I was still, so I'm still in the triathlon thing a little bit. And I wanted to do one more Ironman before I gave it up because I'm getting kind of old. Um, so I signed up for the Ironman Canada, which was back in Penticton, which would have been sort of full circle, would have been mm, where you started finishing up there. Yeah. Cool. And uh, so I signed up for that um, in late 2019. And I started I mean, I, I was training before, but I started seriously on July, January 1st of 2020. And uh, I started training and I was, I had made it through a couple of months and I hadn't missed a day yet. And then I just thought, I wonder how long I could go without missing a day. And then I got to about <laughs> six months. Now the COVID thing was on. So I was, the race was off, but I was still training. So I got to about six months and I thought, I wonder if I could make it a whole year. <laughs> so then I got to the year and um, I thought, well, I don't have to do it now. I made the year, <laughs> but I was, but I, I think, well, if I miss a day and I decided I didn't want to quit, I wanted to keep going. I can't make it up. So I'll just keep going. So now I'm at oh, 610 or something like that. Wow. Wow. Of, oh my goodness. Continuous days. Now I'm afraid. I don't know. I, I don't know when I'm going to stop. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, let's see if you can make it's it It's part to of my day now. It's like breakfast, dinner, training. Oh, I'll make it to 700. I'll make it to 700 easily. So you talked a little bit about like how you got started, and you did mention BC Blind Sports. And before we talk about more of your athletic career, um, for our listeners who maybe don't know about BC Blind Sports, um, can you tell us a little bit about who, who they are and who they support and and how do they do that? Okay, um, BC Blind Sports is a, a nonprofit uh, society, I think, or they? they're a nonprofit organization. Um, started in 1975, uh, they wanted to send some athletes to the nationals in Ontario to uh, be selected for a uh, international games. I don't think it was called the Paralympics then. Um, so what we do at BC Blind Sports is we provide opportunities for res any resident of BC who is blind or visually impaired to, to lead an active uh, lifestyle. And of all, all ages, from little kids up to old timers like me, and from all different levels. It can be a, a recreational thing, um, all the way up getting athletes ready to uh, make the next step to the national sport organization and then onto the Paralympics. It's, and it's really Sean and I are an example of two of those. Your story, Brian, of already being an athlete and doing a sport and then, and not realizing that blind sports was applicable to you is really interesting. Cause I think it usually goes the other way where, you know, in my case, I grew up visually impaired. I didn't even really know there was a Paralympics or that blind athletes could compete until I was in my teen years, which I guess isn't that old, but 
you know, I, I just went through the school system, not thinking that I was athletic and then learned Mm -hmm. later that, oh, there is actually sports blind people do, and I can actually be good at sports. So it's really interesting that you had to find them. I mean, I think I'm, I, I know I'm, I know I'm lucky that I got to grow up, um, basically sighted. I didn't start to lose my vision until I was in my early twenties, um, so I got to grow up as a kid playing all these things, you know, mm-hmm. and so I got familiar with it. I think, um, unfortunately, kids like like you two, I think it's, it's just because people don't know what to do. And so you get left behind mm-hmm. because there, there aren't um, the people that are educated. And I don't mean to sound like they're not educated. You know what I mean? They're just not, mm-hmm. they don't know what to do so it's just easier to say well uh, i just leave it i don't know what to do go with to the kids. library while everyone's playing go, yeah, exactly. yeah you go do exactly. study, study <laughs> hall while we play basketball or whatever mm-hmm. because i don't know what to do with you yeah um we have lots of people like that in, in the association that just they didn't know that there was some place where where people understood blindness and visual impairment and 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 could help them and show them that you know yeah maybe you can't play basketball with the other kids but there's other things there's other sports that you can play and i also think it's awesome that that uh, the kids get to play with their peers you know they get to play with um with other kids that have a vision impairment so they all sort of have an understanding of it you don't have to explain yourself every time you do something wrong because they, they understand so i just mm. think that's that's a good part of, of what we do well and nowadays bc blind sports will do school visits if there's a, a child that's visually impaired in a school they'll come in and meet with the pe class and you know talk to the class about how to adapt talk to, to the pe teacher about how to adapt activities so the blind student can participate so things have changed from when i was a student although jenny i don't know what your experience was um i was going to actually say um i i was the kid who got the visits of bc blind sports in my school and though that was i was very fortunate and i highly enjoyed it um my teachers unfortunately only thought gold ball was the only thing because it's very specific mm. to a blind or visually impaired child and gold ball is amazing um but you know that was kind of like the saying oh gold ball that's a sport made for you rather than oh, you know, soccer is still a sport that we all play, but it's just played differently. Mm. I think kind of like the thing that they took away was there's a divide here that there's sighted sports and there's Mm. blind sports, right? So um, there, unfortunately, I was was one of that um, or, you know, thinking, um, you know, we're not, we're doing this activity. So today you can go play pass because everything was then from then on they thought oh on the floor she plays on the floor so oh sit with two kids and play pass or oh we can roll the ball while you sit on the floor so they kind of took it a bit mm. a bit um out of context literally of, yeah <laughs> literally um and i think and i think you know at least they were trying um which is great but i think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done as mm-hmm. as is with many many things um but i think bc blind sports and and athletes such as brian and i guess yourself as well is is where that learning um starts to happen brian can you give us an overview of what like what are some sports that that people who are blind 
do? There's goalball. Yes. Uh, <laughs> tennis. <laughs> yeah, tennis is a crazy one, right? Have you Have tried you it, Brian? Yeah, I no. love it. It's fun. But oh, it's good. not a sport I ever, uh, ever in a million years thought I'd be able to play. I was going to say, I don't think I'd ever play it. And I don't think I have played it. So now you have a choice whether you want to play it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A few years back, you didn't have the, you didn't have the choice. Now you have exactly. a choice if you want to try tennis. And there's um, oh, soccer. Uh, I said hockey, goalball, tennis. Oh, there's um, um, dragon boating. Dragon right. boating. Most- I was going to say canoeing, but it's not canoeing. Uh, <laughs> dragon boating. Um, well, I can. Baseball, there is a da- right? Uh, we, we do. There is a group that plays beat baseball occasionally. I, pr- I prefer so. beep kickball. That's that feels like a combination of baseball and goalball <laughs> combined. It does. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah. So there, there's there's quite a few. Um, well, there's swimming that you participated in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, track well, and field. Track and field, triathlon, cycling. Uh, tr- well, track and field, um, which has a number of different. Mm-hmm. There's a big umbrella that covers a lot of different things when you say track mm-hmm. and field or athletics, as they call it. So, Brian, when you started to lose your vision, I'm a, was it gradual or was it sudden? Like, were you nervous to can- continue to ride a bike or... Well, I guess mostly ride a bike still. Do you still ride a bike um, by yourself? Um, I haven't ridden by myself for a couple of years. Yeah. Cause that um, sounds terrifying. The COVID got away. Um, well, it's, it's, I'm like, probably like a lot of other people. It was quite gradual. So you just sort of find different ways to do things, you know, like um, I would ride my bike, but I was losing, I was losing my sight before I started this. Mm. So when I started it, I was already 12 years into the, my okay. vision starting to go. So I don't know what level I was at. I was much better than I am now. My sight was much better than it is now, but, um, I, you know, I wasn't, uh, supposed to be driving a car or anything. Right. That's another thing I was driving when I started. So it's, it was kind of hard to de- decide is this the day I can't see well enough anymore to drive? Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Even when I was at my ophthalmologist, I would say something like, uh, well, are you supposed to tell me if I can drive or not? And he would say, well, no, I can't do that. I can't tell you, you can't drive. And I thought, well, if you can't tell me who can. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I think it might be a good idea if my vision is not good enough that you said. And that's, it was around the same time that I started the triathlon was about the same time I stopped driving. Mm. So riding my bike was easier than driving because you're going much slower. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I rode, because I, when I did my training, which was almost every day on the bike, most, I would uh, just do the same road every day. So I wasn't, you know, coming up, up against surprises, unless there was, of course, a big... <laughs> <laughs> road construction sign in the way um, yes so i just would do the same co- route all the time so you know i i never i would stop and cross if i wanted to have to cross traffic i would stop at the nearest light and cross at the light and then you know i just mm-hmm. do a lot of things to adapt to using like people say well how do you get over there uh, well i go up to the, i go two blocks up 
there's a I cross at the red light and I come back on the other side and then, you know yeah I never I, I stopped at lots of green lights because I wasn't sure so, you know that's good I, I, yeah so and I, I always I always oh I always had the 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 thought that everybody out there is out to get me so, <laughs> don't trust take, no one trust no one trust nobody take it don't take it for granted that they see you or they're going to stop or whatever yeah. because i've had several times where they didn't stop they said they didn't see me mm. you know did you ever have an accident while you were riding on your own i had a couple none of them my fault <laughs> mm. i just want to put that in there none of them were because I, <laughs> I didn't see yeah i mean people just cut me off or just road drove the car right in front of me and i smashed into their car you know. uh, oh no yeah so i had a couple of i had a couple of good ones but nothing i don't think i broke anything i never <laughs> broke anything <laughs> knock on wood there knocking yeah, for you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i can it's okay yeah. now because i'm not really doing it anymore so. okay that's true um so the first time you got on a tandem, do you remember? Was it hard to trust, like to let someone else be in control? I can't remember the exact same first time, but I remember the first time I did a race on a tandem, which would have been very close. It might have been the first time I was on it, actually. Mm -hmm. And I, I did it with my cousin that had done the triathlon with my pilot. And we went to the BC Games in Port Alberni. We got there and we put the bike together. And I guess we didn't, I, if you can picture that the handlebars are are on the seat tube of the oh. pilot in front yes so i guess what i was so used to being in control of my own bike i was you know i, I probably wasn't a very good stoker then i was not very cooperative probably so i guess when we put the the we put the um the the seat post in for the front seat which had the, my handlebars attached to it i guess we didn't tighten it up enough Oh. So oh, while no. we're riding, oh. I am trying to control the bike. So I'm turning the handlebars, and his seat is going <laughs> side to sideways. Yes. Oh, no. and, and he's going, What are you doing back there? And I go, I'm sorry, I, can't, <laughs> I cannot give up full control because I was looking over his shoulder where we were going, and he would think we should go to the right, and I would think we should go to the left. So he's <laughs> leaning to the right, Aww. I'm leaning to the left. The bike is going right at whatever we're trying to avoid. Oh, boy. So, that was, yeah. so yeah, I, because... after that, I learned that I shouldn't... Um... Don't do that. Me. Don't do that. Yeah, the back handlebars, the Stoker's handlebars are stationary. We do not, not turn the bike. <laughs> they're yeah. not supposed to move. They're not supposed to move, to but... Yeah, if they move, there's they a were problem. Moving that, they were moving that day. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, but, but, but we stayed up. We didn't fall down. Then I started riding more competitively with uh, a friend of mine who I knew, and I knew he was a good bike handler, and I knew sort of what he was like on a bike. You know, I would didn't, didn't want to get on a bike with someone who was really kind of crazy and mm -hmm. took a lot of chances because I don't want to be that guy in the back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I just, then it was, it was not that hard to get on and ride with somebody, but I wouldn't get on and race with somebody that I didn't, wasn't familiar yes. with mm -hmm. because yes. it's a little bit different. It's a little bit scarier. Yeah. When you're in a pack. Like you, yeah. you can the feel the bikes around you. you. Yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah. Sur you're surrounded. And if anybody goes down, there's a chance you're all going down. Mm -hmm. 
When you're riding the bike with your hands on the handlebars and you can feel the knuckles of the person next to you against yours oh. because it's oh. that close. Is it that yes. close? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Like, oh, yeah. Or the guy beside you is leaning on you because they're, and if you actually, if you weren't there, they might fall. So they're, it's, and you're going 50, and you're going 50, 60 kilometers an hour on pavement. That's, mm -hmm. wow. that's a fun day in the, in the pack. <laughs> <laughs> the women's, the women don't go quite that fast, but, and I, I feel like I never felt anyone's knuckles beside me, but oh, they're oh, definitely yeah. close. Definitely. Like yeah. you could, you could smell the their breath. <laughs> Yeah, well, the guys are a little, uh, a little more risk taking, and then there's more, you know, like bigger pack. Yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. there's twenty five or thirty of the men, but and we're on the same road as the women who have maybe ten or fifteen. So we're mm -hmm. trying to squeeze all those, twice as many bikes, in the same sort of area. So I had a few crashes on those things. Okay, so how does guiding work in triathlon? Once you did get a guide, what does your? I mean. Yeah, explain how they mm -hmm. help you. Okay, so they you do the whole the whole event with them. With the same guide. person, you can't have different guys. Uh, different well, it sports. depends if you're doing. If we're going to talk about Paralympic, mm -hmm. okay. is it a Paralympic sport now? Triathlon? Yeah, it's, it's going to yeah. be on tomorrow. It is. Is it? You didn't oh, know yes, so. I think Friday. I didn't... It's on Friday. Oh no! Oh, and it we is have now. A, we have a we have a Canadian woman there who is. Has a very good chance of winning the gold medal in the ten. Really? What's her name? Jessica Tuomolo. She is very good. She's won. A, she ran a few races leading up awesome. to um, to this. So yeah, she's quite good. I think she used to be a swimmer. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> very cool. But um, yeah, so you have the same the same guide that does everything when you swim. You have to swim beside them. You can't swim behind them. For they call, you know, I don't understand why because I, maybe it's so like they drafting, don't drag. But you. you're allowed. But you're allowed to draft in the swim. Well, maybe the dragging part. But you're allowed to draft in the swim. Mm -hmm. So, but anyhow, and then you come out of the water, um, change your what, take off your wetsuit, get your cycling helmet and shoes on, and then they do the tandem bike with you. Uh, and then when you finish the bike, you come off, and then you're tethered like a short rope or string or a little strap or something and most people do it wrist to wrist yeah i've seen other people do it waist to waist and and then you do the run like that and they cannot so i think technically they're not supposed to be ahead of you okay. so you're supposed, to be, supposed the one to be beside leading. you or a little bit be, you're yeah they're supposed to be the guiding you not yes. sort of hmm. dragging you because if you're running with someone um, and they're sort of just giving you a little bit of a pull. You could probably run a little bit faster based yes. on what they're doing. Yes. But it's supposed to be based on you. They're supposed to be assisting you, not not helping. Helping you. you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So in the water, you're tethered as well, aren't you? Yeah. And again, they tether differently. Some I've seen some people tether uh, from thigh to thigh. Um, I've seen other people tether waist to waist. Now must... I've never I've never seen anybody tether arm to arm. It must be a mess in the water with all these pairs and yeah. ropes and like, I just feel like Dangling arms and legs and getting legs kicked in the and... face. And how does that yeah. even work? Well, if you, if you think about it, if you, each team, we'll call them a team are like, they're right beside each other. Yeah. And, and another 
sighted guide is not going to try to swim between right <laughs> two people like that. Mm-hmm. so it's 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 not bad do you have like like sort of lanes in the water it's open water oh no no it's, it's open water it's a free-for-all you know okay. you wow. want to go there's just there's just you know the the um, the boys or the yeah so you want to try to get out in front of everybody i guess to get to avoid all the that's the that's the yeah, if you're yeah. good enough to get up there. Huh. Hmm. I feel like that'd be a little, little, little challenging, especially if you're tethered to someone because, you know, in the water, you're, you're trying to move a lot, a lot more. Yeah, your, yeah. Your body. But then again, it, it, it takes a lot of practice. You're, you're, I yeah. think you're trying to sort of assume what it'd be like the very first time. Well, the very first time is going to be chaotic. Oh, yeah, be, yeah. You know, but uh, when you do it a few times, it's not that bad. When when I do the the longer ones, I don't have to follow the IPC or the Paralympic rules. Mm. So when I do the tether, I have a longer one, and I put the tether. I follow. Okay. My guide and right. the tether is usually a white colored rope, and it'll go from his waist to my waist, and because I'm partially sighted, I can see well enough in the water to see the rope. Yep. So for me, I go straight now because that acts like mm, the, the black like line on the bottom of the yeah, pool. Yeah. Like the black line on the bottom of the pool. So as long as the guy I'm with is going straight, I'm going straight too, which is a, it's, it's an unusual thing for me to be straight. I'm wow. usually all over. When I was doing it by myself, I was all over the place. Wow. But the, so- but the IPC doesn't allow you to do that. But, I, but but in Iron Man and 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 those other ones, I don't have to follow those rules. And I'm not getting any benefit. He's not pulling me. Yeah, it's no different than me swimming behind another swimmer, which is allowed. So I don't right. feel like I'm cheating. I'm not. Yeah, well, because arguably, exactly if he was pulling you, if he was pulling you, you'd be creating drag for him anyway. So you're not going to be. Yeah, he's yeah. not going to be faster either. <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, yeah it's not faster. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. So, are you still planning to do an Ironman once you're once they're back on? Well, I hope so. Yeah. I'm gonna mm. try and do one more. I haven't run for a long time. Mm. Like running is just. I feel like what I'm going to do is I'm going to start running uh, at the beginning of the September and see how my legs feel and then it gives me a chance to sign up because I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen next year it's yeah. canceled they've canceled it for this year again they can't mm-hmm. they, they delayed it they postponed it then they canceled it so right. i want to do i just want to do one more and i'm going to do this one with my son which would be kind of cool oh that's awesome does he train as much as you do uh not quite but you know he's about <laughs> five times a week that's good that's not that's yeah. not too bad yeah. Not too bad. No, he and he and he was doing triathlons until a couple of years ago, and he was really getting quite good at it. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to doing that last one for me, and that'll be his first Ironman, maybe his only one, because he might not want to do it again after you. <laughs> not a pleasant feeling when you finish that thing. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine. You probably need a lot of rest after that. I mean, I used to think, well, you know, I'm not that I, I didn't. I thought I was not a bad swimmer until I started doing these things, and I found out my swimming technique was terrible. So I thought, and riding a bike, sometimes you can coast. You don't have to always be pedaling. So I can. Right. Maybe, but I thought running. You're, if you're not running, you're not moving. I thought, exactly. I yeah. I could do that. 
Your feet have to keep going. And, and the run is at the end. Like that would be the hardest for me too. Although I have been running quite a bit lately, but it's still, it's challenging. It's, I can't even imagine yes. doing that at the end of all the other things. But I'd like you know to. what when you're at, when you're at about a hundred when I get at about 160 kilometers on the bike, I am just can't wait to get off that bike and run. Really, <laughs> I don't want to be on it anymore. It's a long <laughs> time. It's like well, depending how fast you go, it's like five five to seven hours, depending who you are and how fast you are. Yeah, of riding. Yeah, wow. I don't know. I want to do a triathlon, but I have no desire to do an Ironman ever, ever, ever. I don't <laughs> think I would catch that disease of like, <laughs> oh, I've done a triathlon. Now I want to do an Ironman. <laughs> it just, it just sounds yeah. awful. That's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> I just want to do this little one. Yeah. That's that. Just saying, I just want to do that little one turned into. 15 Ironman, three Paralympic <laughs> Games, Bob. Wow. Thank God. Maybe I'm addictive. Does that mean I'm addictive? <laughs> I, I think so. You're 610 days of training, and now it's just like out of the principle of the thing, you're going to keep going. <laughs> well, after I did my first couple of Ironman, I, I thought it was like, what's next? So I found this race called the Ultraman, okay. which is over three days. Oh, so the geez. first, I don't know, I can't remember exactly. It kind of splits up, but the swim was like 12 kilometers. Wow. And then the bike was like 360 kilometers. Wow. And then the run was a double marathon. Oh my goodness. What is? So I, think, I think the first day you did the swim and maybe a hundred K of the bike. Oh, okay. And then the second day you did 260k of the bike. Okay. And then the last day you ran the what would it be like 84 kilometers. Oh. I I went I went to a uh, a school camp with my kids and, and they went they used to go to a camp the first week of school like a bonding thing for they went to a private school so mm. so I went and um, as a volunteer parent the only father well that was like a another experience um but i was running running down this trail that had had some rocks and i kind of tripped over a stone and i put my leg down and it was straight and it kind of tried to shove my leg through my hip and i broke my hip so oh, that was right when i was getting ready to do that uh, to do that ultraman so that kind of put that one on hold oh darn yeah and then though i went to the orthopedic or i went to the so the orthopedic surgeon says, well, you're not a runner anymore. Mm. That's sad. But I've done, I've done like six or seven Ironman since then. So, I'm... so you made a liar out of him. I, I just said, I'll run till it hurts. Now you're doing Ironmans with, with a recovered broken hip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I feel like you're, <laughs> you truly must be made of iron. Yeah. Iron man. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I got a head of I got a head of stone. One of the other. Yeah. <laughs> so, how has COVID impacted BC Blind Sports? What's What's been happening there since? Well, COVID? we really had to shut down almost everything. We did. We did, we had some virtual things going. Like, uh, um, we kept our um, seniors' uh, virtual workout going i think they kept the yoga going which is a seated yoga it's um but most of the other programs were we had to sh shut them all down 
Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're coming back now, though. Like, I think um, hockey is going to start the uh, beginning of near the beginning of September. I think goalball is they're back practicing again. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're, it's coming. It's coming back. Um, so we talked we talked a lot about the Paralympics. That's amazing. Um, but for those of us who sadly aren't as ambitious and maybe can't do all that, um, what does BC Blind Sports do um, for those people who just maybe want to, you know, do some recreational physical activity or just want to do something for fun? Well, a lot of those things I mentioned you can do the. Um... Prior to the COVID thing, um, there was a, a group uh, that went tandem cycling just for fun, okay. just recreational. About, I think there was about six or eight bikes. So um, tennis is just for fun. Um, I don't know if you want to play hockey, but it's just for fun. <laughs> uh, go ball. Um, I don't, I've never played go ball and I don't know they seem quite competitive so but i'm assuming that there is a recreational aspect to it too it's open to all levels but um yeah it sort of leans towards the competitive side i would say that's what i thought yeah Yeah, track and field um again i don't participate in track and field so i have never done that so i don't know exactly i'm assuming they can help you find a, uh, a guide if you don't have one they have a volunteer pool they have a volunteer mm-hmm. pool that um that uh, can help you yes they mm-hmm. do i've had volunteer well i have a volunteer guide runner right now that i run with once a week and then um i've also in the past had gym buddies that they volunteer to help me in the gym to train um so yeah blind sports can certainly help find you somebody to help you do the activity that you want to do mm-hmm. yeah. um, another question that just came to my mind um for for people who maybe want to join like a local team uh recreationally or for training um does blind uh be blind sports um help facilitate some of the um advocating with the person interested um to the coach of the team or um, things like that, just because I know uh, in personal experience, a lot of uh, coaches and people get uh, nervous when there's a blind or partially sighted person coming onto their team. Yeah, well, I guess it would depend what the sport was, whether it's a sport mm-hmm. that you need a guide. And we have um, we have a guide orientation program. So if it's if there was somebody who wanted to help you but was not familiar with visually impaired people, we have a, a program that helps them um, learn that. And um, I'm sure that our program director would, um, would uh, contact a coach or some, whoever's in charge of the group uh, and talk to them about it. And, you know, maybe just let them know that, you know, it's possible for this person to participate. Mm-hmm. You just have to maybe make a few adaptations, you know, yeah, don't let any of those things hold you back. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great you know, message. Contact, yeah, don't let them hold you back. Contact the office and and talk to, there's a, two or three people you could talk to, probably Susan or Mike, mm-hmm. um, and they could help you. How can people uh, get in mm-hmm. touch with Blind Sports? 
putting you on well, the spot. I a, know the phone number if you don't. <laughs> no, I, I, I know the, I know okay, the phone okay. number. Um, or the I website. Gonna, I was just going to say, you can check the website um, and you could call the office. You want the number? 604-325-8638. So what's the website? <laughs> the, web, the website? Uh, www.bcblindsports.bc.ca. Awesome. Thank you. And lots of information there. Um, and I just don't, I want people not to be intimidated. Don't be afraid to phone. There are no stupid questions. Every question is valid. So don't think that it's, no, I can't ask that question. I'll sound like, I'll sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. There's no bad questions. So don't be intimidated. I, I definitely think that being active and, and, you know, physical, sport, recreation, whatever is really, really important. It's definitely benefited my life and, and it's lots of fun too. It, you know, provides mm-hmm. social opportunities and, and just, it's so good for you. It's so important. So there, there are no negative things to it. Yeah. Short of, short of a bad bike crash, but there are no <laughs> negative things, right? It's, it's, it's good for your health. It's good for you socially. It's good for your mind, you know, your mental well-being mm-hmm. it's um it's, it's all positive and i will add that um blind sports does support uh, uh, people who are blind with additional disabilities as well so it's if there's a visual impairment and an additional challenge there they'll still support they'll support everybody who has a visual impairment that yeah in that's, that's that's in our that's in our vision yeah mm-hmm. yeah which is on our website if you want to if someone wants to look at that but Um, even even if you happen to check the website and you don't see a sport that you are interested in it might you know just call but still call the office and ask mm -hmm. there may be a way that they can help you uh get involved in that sport that may not be listed there that's a good point yeah because sometimes it is you know helping you integrate into a program Mm -hmm educating the people yeah. that are there and together figuring out how to make this work. Yeah. Yeah. So what is next for you, Brian? What's your next goal? Well, it's about training day 611. That's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. No, um, well, my next sort of competitive goal. Um, sure. Well, I guess it'll be the, the Ironman next year. I mean, I, I'm oh. going to start playing hockey again with the group. Um, in um september you know the problem with me is i don't really have a recreational button right my button is always on competitive yeah i'm a little that way you know i'm always like sometimes i'll say you know take it easy you're just playing for fun but um I, i find that i'm just you know so when i go to play hockey it's for fun but I'm competitive, mm-hmm. but the next sort of race thing will be, um, well, the, the Ironman, I might do a, a couple of races before it just to get warmed you know, up. Warmed up. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I want my first race with my son to be an Ironman. I think we might have to do a shorter <laughs> one than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll probably do maybe, hopefully maybe do a couple of races and maybe one in the late spring and one in the early summer. And then hopefully the Ironman at the, well, actually the Ironman will be, one year from this Sunday. Oh wow! Okay. Exactly. It was supposed wow. to be. It was supposed to be this Sunday. Yeah. Oh. 
Well, good luck. So I feel yeah. like yeah, I hope that I hope you get to do it. Yeah, I hope my uh, body allows it. We'll see. Mentally, I'm raring to go. Yes. Well, you know, you do need recovery days, like 610 days yeah. in a row. I don't want to break <laughs> your your good streak here, but like <laughs> you do need to recover too. Just saying. Well, you know, some people call them um, uh, like a recovery ride. You know. Yeah. <laughs> they still ride. You know, like even even those guys in the Tour de France when they have their rest days. They still go for a couple of hours to ride. Mm. They don't rest, rest like and do nothing. Right. So yeah, okay. I'll just do take those easier ones. I won't do them like, yeah. that hard. Okay. All right. Because <laughs> I'm afraid to stop now. I'm like I should. I'm like. I know. You're gonna break. What is there a world record of days in a row of training? Oh, you should look it up. No, but I'm sure there's some guys who've got 20 years. You think? <laughs> <laughs> well you keep going so you, know that, you can you can achieve that too <laughs> yeah, i'll make that yeah <laughs> the one thing i've noticed about about that is that that means that in those 600 and whatever i've never been sick one day yeah wow yeah awesome. good for you which is you know i don't think i've ever gone a whole year without being sick before mm-hmm. knock on wood well, hiding away from yeah. COVID has helped with that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think the mask and the washing the hands and avoiding people. Yeah. That's the reason. That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Live like a hermit. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brian, for joining us. It's been amazing to catch up with you. You are, as always, so inspiring. And I hope... <laughs> that I am just like, well, no, actually, I don't want to be just like you. I don't want to do any Ironmans, but <laughs> I hope I'm as fit and healthy as you are when I am your age. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much, well, Let me Brian. just say one thing, Sean. Yeah. I remember when you were talking about your plans for your, for, for your association, your blind beginnings. And, um, you know, I'm so proud of you for having the idea following through on it and and it's become such a such a success and you've helped so many kids that um you're my inspiration oh thanks oh and you're both my inspirations (laughs) thank you that means a lot thank you i think about it i think about you and your 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 work there a lot thanks keep going okay (laughs) are you okay (laughs) Thank you. And thank you, Jenny, for joining as my co-host today. Yeah, thanks, Sean. And thanks, Brian. I've definitely learned some things today. Well, All right. Uh, thank you. It's been, it's been great. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast with a friend. Like and subscribe and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.